We'll be uh, studying through 3 John, chapter 1 through 14. And um, I'm going to be reading out of the NIV version instead of the ESV. The elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and all that may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you walk, continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diophanes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God, and anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have much right to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon and we'll talk face to face. Peace to you, the friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. If you'll pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, that your word would be blessed this morning through Jackie, God, that he would deliver that which you have for him, Lord, and for our ears to hear. And let us open our ears to what the truth is, Lord even in a world that is short on the truth. Thank you for sustaining our church, God. Thank you for sustaining the body, Lord. Many here are ill, are going through family issues. Um, there have been some deaths uh, in the families, and there have been some uh, health issues severe within families here, Lord. And we pray that you would watch over them. Those that are not able to meet with us today, Lord, we pray that you would bless this message that Jackie's to give to their ears, God. Typically, every week, we deal with issues in our country, especially, and around the world, but issues that are heartbreaking. Heartbreaking for our ears, especially as older folks that have seen your country in a different light. And now we see things in derision, much hate, much disagreement, much separation and division, Lord. But we know you're on the throne, Lord. We know how it turns out. We just pray that you would give us the strength and the wisdom and mercy in our own families, Lord, that we can do our own small part within our families, even though we can vote every once in a while. It doesn't seem to change a lot of things. We, so we have to rely on you daily. And we have to start small within our own families, God. That you would give us the provisions to get through daily life, Lord. And that you would help us to concentrate on your word and prayer. It is a hard thing for us at times to be Christians on a daily basis. Sometimes we miss reading your word. Sometimes we miss spending time in prayer. But you have promised in your word that you would deliver to us if we are to remain faithful in your word. 
For in Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you would present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It's that transforming daily of our mind that help us to get through this world of obstacles, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. We're going to finish 3 John. That's back-to-back books, I will have you know, that we finished in one service, 2 John and 3 John. Remember that the context, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, is the same all the way through. So there is a source that is going to enable us to be the things that God is asking us to be. That source is the word of life, Jesus Christ. According to 1st John, there is also something that hinders us. What hinders us? Our sin. So he told us in 1 John what to do about our sin, right? He said, confess it, and he will forgive it and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then he has two main focuses. One, love one another. Two, watch out for deceivers. Love one another, watch out for deceivers. Love one another, he's going to repeat over and over again. Now, I know that there are people who would say, Jackie, you can't possibly be talking about loving one another again. Well, as soon as you start doing it, I'll stop. It's hard. It's hard to do. If you think loving one another is simple, then you haven't started doing it yet. Because someone's going to offend you. Someone's going to hurt you. Sometimes it will be malicious and sometimes it will not be malicious, but it doesn't matter. The hurt is still the same, right? If I accidentally hit you with a bat in the head, it still hurt you, didn't it? If I hit you in the head on purpose with a bat, it's the same, right? You guys get what I'm saying? So he's challenging us, one, to Honestly and truly practice love for one another. That means we exercise forgiveness for one another when those things happen. I will let you know, sometimes the guy who hits you with a bat's not sorry. Sometimes he's not sorry. Sorry that he's not sorry. You still need to forgive. Because it's going to unlock your heart from walking in bitterness. So we forgive and we extend love anyway. And the second time you do it, you might still get bit. Maybe the third time. Maybe the fourth time. It will happen enough times, I promise you, that you'll say this. I can't do this no more. And then you'll be doing your daily reading through the Gospels. And you'll hear Peter say, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother for the same thing? As many as seven times. And he will say, 70 times seven. Uh, Even if we count every one, we're not there yet. I can't ever do it. I can't count anything. Look at me. I can't count calories. <laughs> no, no idea. I don't. I know they make apps for that, but it won't count how many times you have forgiven. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, the, the, which I think is a misnomer. I think it's really a disciples' prayer. Because the disciples come to Jesus and say, Lord, teach us to Pray. At the end of that prayer, we actually say the words, God, forgive me like I forgive others. 
And you really ought to meditate on that a little bit. Forgive me like I forgive others. Now, God knows all the stuff, right? And I'm sure none of us is ready to say, I have actually confessed every single sin I've ever committed to the Lord. Have you? (laughs) You didn't miss any, huh? No. The Lord has forgiven me, and it's a great debt I owed. And Jesus even told a story, right, about a man who owed a great debt and was forgiven and then went out and shook somebody for, for five bucks, threw him in prison. It didn't work out well for that guy, right? Lord, teach me to forgive like you forgive. I don't want to be forgiven like I forgive. I want you to teach me, which requires us to learn the truth, walk in the truth, And live the truth. And that's really where John's focus has been. Love one another. Beware deceivers. You got to know the truth. The truth will take up residence within you. That word of life. Jesus Christ. Right? Our great God and Savior. He's made your body the temple. Right? There doesn't need a temple. He's got you. You have become holy ground. You ever think about how amazing that is? Your holy ground that Jesus Christ is in you? That he has given you his spirit to empower you? We need to know the truth, walk in the truth, live the truth. We want to be able to express the truth. First John, he gives us the overview of it all. Second John, he focuses on the church as a group, right? He uses a metaphor, I believe to describe the church as a group when he writes 2 John. 3 John, he writes to an individual. So we get the whole spectrum. This one is written to Gaius, and it's going to talk to him. We're going to have Gaius, Diatrophes, and Demetrius. I'm going to mess that up at some point. And he's he's going to give good examples, bad examples, things to be careful of. And to recognize that the words and the works and the gospel of Jesus Christ reveal the truth about God for us. And then the challenge for us then is to recognize that the truth of God is going to come into conflict with at least two things. The culture you live in. Anybody notice the truth of God coming into conflict with the culture? And second, your feelings. The culture's way easier to see. Your feelings, they're, they're a little sneaky. I just don't feel like it. So we're going to see the truth of God coming into conflict, culture and our feelings. So we have a choice. And that choice is, will we walk in truth or will we walk according to our culture or will we walk according to our feelings? We get to choose. You're going to decide today. You walk out the doors and over the door going outside, it says you're entering into the mission field, that place where we want the words that we speak to honor God. How did everybody do last week? That place where we want the deeds that we do to honor God. That that mission field. That place where we reflect the truth of Christ to a world that doesn't know him. Now, here's how you'll distract yourself. You'll look at somebody else. Well, I might be bad, but Jackie's worse. Well, congratulations. But rather, what's the standard we're to set our eyes to? Jesus, right? He's the rule. Look, if you put your eyes on on that which cannot satisfy you, you you, you're, not going, you're not going to arrive. We're, we're probably not going to arrive at perfection, right? But if my eyes are on Christ, I got a chance of at least stepping in some of his footsteps. Don't I? So we want that. We want that. We want to be able to promote the truth by our lives. The truth of the gospel that we have s- surrendered to. We want 
we want to be able to promote that truth and walk in love. Look how he begins. Third John 1. The, to the Arabs are up deep. Let's try it again. The elder. I told you, John, at this point, is the last living apostle. Nobody else is around. So he, he begins to call himself the elder. The elder to the beloved Gaius. Why can he say that? How can he say Gaius is beloved? How can you and I say to one another that we are beloved? Ephesians, I want to say it's Ephesians chapter 1. Someone will check it, and then you guys can come hit me up at Coffee with the Pastor tomorrow. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that we are in the beloved in Christ. Because we are in the truth, because we are believers, we've given our lives to Christ, we enter into something called the beloved. Right? That is, a, that is an, an office held by believers. You are in the beloved because you are in Christ, and Christ Jesus is beloved of God. Yeah? Christ Jesus was the greatest treasure in heaven. As the greatest treasure in heaven, he holds down that reality that he is the, the one perfect pursuit for our lives. The greatest treasure. And as that greatest treasure, he, he is the one who ushers us into being in the beloved. Why do we call the church the body of Christ? You're in the body of Christ. Christ is in you. If you abide in me, then I abide in you. Scripture is filled with these Metaphors that talk about this relationship that is us in Christ and Christ in me. And that place is called the beloved. That place, that's where, that's where Rahab, that's where her house is. Rahab is a prostitute. And, and the Lord, through the spies, told Rahab, you put out a scarlet thread out your window. And everyone who is in your house will be the beloved. They're all saved. You get what I'm saying? So he's laying out Gaius to the beloved Gaius. This guy is part of the family of God. He's part of the body of Christ. Whom I love in truth. Now the point is our ability to love one another has to be anchored in something real. And we're going to struggle with this all the time unless that thing which is real never changes. And that thing that is real that never changes is going to be God's word and Jesus Christ, my great God and Savior. I'm going to change. I'm going to struggle. I'm going to fail. I'm going to do something that irritates you or upsets you or hurts your feelings. And I'm not trying to say that's an excuse. Those are things that I, I will have to confess in my life. But we are wanting to be in that place where our love is in the truth. It's rooted in something real. Do you guys know that your perspective and my perspective is not the same? Have you ever sat down to talk with somebody and tried to talk to them about something and realized that you guys just don't see it at all the same way? And no matter what words you use, no matter what things you use, you can't find common ground. The common ground for the believer is Jesus Christ. Our love for one another is anchored in him. So he's saying, listen, I love Gaius in truth, in Christ. I love Gaius in Christ. Beloved, he says the phrase again, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be good in good health uh, as it goes well with your soul. So he's praying for Gaius, that, that his walk, that his life would, would be good. This is something that we do when we love one another in Christ. When you love one another in Christ, you'll take the time to pray for one another. When bitterness fills our heart, our soul, our being, we don't want to pray for one another anymore. We don't want to think about one another. We'd rather close the door and pretend that the other does not exist. But that is not how we have learned Christ. 
So in Christ, how do we do it? In Christ, we put our eyes on Jesus Christ and we love in Christ. Our love anchored in Christ, anchored in the truth, and we pray blessing upon our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Now, I don't want to make you feel like that's a bad thing because later on Jesus is going to tell you to bless those who persecute you. You know, the end of every service we sing that song, The Blessing, right? You guys should just about have memorized numbers by now. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. When Jesus says, bless those who persecute you, that's what he's talking about. That was the blessing. That was the blessing. Bless those who persecute you. Now, shall we not also be able to do that for brothers and sisters? If we are to do that for those who persecute us, surely we can do that for one another. I, I love it. I have great, faithful brothers in Christ who, uh, who drop a note to me at just the right time, it seems like. Um, I've been blessed several times by, by uh, a brother, Don MacArthur, who has sent me a text that I needed to see at, uh, at just the right time that encourages my heart. I got a brother, Victor, who does the same thing. I got other guys who are praying for me, and, <clears throat> and they offer those encouragements. And when that happens, just, just in case you don't know it, it's a discouraging time we live in. Is there anybody here who feels discouraged? Yes. We do. Can we all say we feel discouraged? That's okay. So if we do all feel discouraged, and the Bible says we're to love one another in Christ, can you pray for one another? The same things you're feeling, they're feeling. The same sadness and sorrow in your heart is in their heart. So as a body, may we be those who will stand in love in the truth. Look what he says in verse 3. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth. This is not his own personal truth like the world thinks about it. This is the truth of his life, his walk. He's walking in the truth of God's word. He's obeying God's word. He's following the apostolic authority of the teachers that were in his time. And he's walking in that place. And so people came to John and they said, man, John, you should check out this dude, Gaius. The other day we were with him and man, what a great example of Christ he is. Isn't that a good testimony? Well, that's what he's talking about. He says, man, the brothers came to me and they told me, they testified of your truth, that indeed you are walking in the truth. Now we need to understand that. Walking according to the teachings of the apostles, walking with the truth because the truth of Jesus Christ is in you. But walking, guys, walking indicates progression. Just, just, just think about that with me. Walking indicates progression. He doesn't say, I thank, thank you that you are sitting in the truth. Sitting does not show progression. Now, thank God you're in the truth, but it's walking in the truth. It's moving forward. It's constantly, sometimes I get, I, I, I will catch, um, I'll, I'll catch grief or, or complaints from family because because something will be all sideways, and, and I, I'm just going to keep going. So, and my family can't always. Sometimes my family can't, um, my, whether it's my brothers and, and sister-in-laws or, or parents or what, whatever it is, that there's something will, will be upset, and then they'll call me and say, how can you keep going? We need to focus on this issue. And I'm like, man, i got to keep moving forward. I don't know, call it my brokenness. But if I, if I feel like if I stop or I start to go backwards or I turn around, I am just going to drift away. Anybody ever drifted away from where you wanted to be? So I want to progress. Now, 
and, and so I need to progress in if there's a if there's a problem, I need to progress by forgiving, I need to progress by by relinquishing my bitterness, I need to re- progress by by doing those things so that I can be free, so that I can love my, my brother, pray for my brother or sister or whatever it is, but I gotta keep moving toward Christ, amen. We have to keep moving toward Christ. We have to keep advancing on the kingdom. We need to keep moving forward. He says in verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in truth. Now this is John, and his children are all the church. Now all his buddies are gone. Peter's gone. Paul's gone. Everyone else has died. Everyone else, he's the only one who reaches old age. He's the only one who gets to that point. And as he's in that point, and he's in his old age and he's in that place as he's as he's gathered together in that reality as all of this is is going on he's able <clears throat> to say listen you're all my kids you're all my kids somebody told me once and i think it's important i think it's true i think it's important he said Gifting does not always equal calling. You can be gifted to teach and serve as an elder or a deacon or leader in the church. or But it's not the same thing as having the heart of a pastor. It's a bit of a drag, if I'm honest. Because I... I don't, I don't enjoy most of the, those emotions. I would like to be totally separate from emotions. But it don't work. I'm a big baby. What can I say? The heart of a pastor worries about everybody who's in his flock. And you might say, ah, oh, Jackie don't even know if I'm there or not. But I know I know where you sit. I know when you're doing okay and when you're not. I pray for you. I care for you. My heart breaks for every person who has ever left us, but my heart rejoices when they've left us and found a place where they can blossom and grow. That's not a bad thing. It's not bad when people leave. It's okay. John is saying in his heart, man, you guys are all my children. That's the call. Think about it as a parent. If you're a parent, can you abandon your kids? It's hard, isn't it? It's hard. In the, you know, and I know sometimes those things happen, but that's the, that's the heart of a pastor. Is a pastor perfect? No, I ain't perfect. Will I say the wrong thing? I will. Will I hurt you? Probably. But it's not, if I do, it's not malicious. I don't want to hurt you. Sometimes I'm just a product of my own growing up, you know, and Christ is changing me. Hallelujah. Anybody thankful Christ is changing you? So I'm thankful for that, but I know it's not, th- it's not there yet. I'm, it's, I, that won't be over till I see him, Right? heart of a pastor call is more important than gift a lot of people can be taught to teach it's hard to be taught to pastor it's hard to be taught to care now I know we have different views of that but you know what I learned when I read Paul and John one of the primary roles is that the pastor prays for his children just like a parent prays for his and that's supposed to be our heart that's supposed to be there that's supposed to be part and that's why john is saying look i have no greater joy i rejoice when my children walk in the truth and what happens when they don't (laughs) that's a drag right and it's, it's hard to 
get a grip on your emotions. And you know if your kids are not okay, you're not okay. Anybody kids not okay? I got kids aren't okay. So there's always that little piece of sorrow. Now, normal days, maybe that doesn't become so big, but we've had two years of COVID and crazy chaos in our world and upheaval everywhere we look and isolation and all these things are going on. That, that makes for a lot of heavy-hearted people who need to be reminded, the Lord is my light and my salvation. He is what I need. And so we, we need to recognize it. How does that flow through us? Is it flowing through us? Look at verse 5. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers though they are. <laughs> He's talking to Gaius. He's saying, Gaius, man, you're so faithful because strangers came from another place. Now, back in those days, this was way more prevalent than it is now. We don't really have itinerant preachers that travel from church to church to church. Sometimes, you know, missionaries will visit or, or special people will come through. The Bostocks have come through a number of times and shared their ministry and other guys. And what's the role? Even though we may not know them, the role of the body of Christ is to take missionaries and people who are a part of doing the work of Christ and to help them, to express love to them, hospitality to them, care for them. That's what Gaius did. And so he's saying, man, Gaius, you have done a faithful thing. You are a faithful man. You love God's people. You are a faithful man when you love God's people. And some of God's people are stinky sheep who bite, who bug you, who don't fit in your social circle. Maybe they didn't take a shower, so they smell. Or maybe they smell too nice. I don't know. You are faithful, walking and growing in the truth of Christ when you're able to love the brethren, even if they're not from here, even if they're from somewhere else. Just passing through. And this is what he had done. His faithfulness and caring for the men that John had sent him, who testified, these men, witness, they testified of your love before the church. So he has a testimony. Gaius has a testimony that he loves the brethren. That's the testimony that we're looking for. That's the testimony John's been talking about through two books so far. To love one another. Now, it's not just that you say, because we can all do this. I love them. I don't like them at all. But I love them like I'm not lighting them on fire. I'm not burning their house down or putting a bomb in their car. Yes. So John is saying, just so you get this, you're not the judge. The people who see you love them and have the testimony that you love the brethren. Oh, that's faithfulness. You get it? And that means it's, it's a legitimate outward expression, right? And there are, thank God, there are a number of people here in Buell, just so you know, I have heard that testimony over and over and over again about many of you, how you love the brethren, how you have the gift of hospitality, how you care about the people around you. And we always want to stoke up the fires of those gifts so that we can see that blowing through all of us that we would have that heart like Gaius, even though you don't know them. Those strangers, they are. Strangers just passing through. They testified of your love before the church, so you will do well. Send them on their journey in a, many, in a manner worthy of God. Well, that's pretty cool. Now, that you get to define. So how would God send you out? That's how you should send them out. So he doesn't say, this is what it looks like. When you send them out, you got to give them, you know, two, two, uh, two lunch sacks full of food and a, and a purse full of money. He just says, you send them out the way God would send them out. So now each person should pursue that, right? Okay, Lord, I want to send them out how, 
how you would send them out. I want to do, I want to do what you would do. So guide me. Guide me that I might be able to fulfill that, which means now I'm in prayer. I'm consulting the Lord. I'm spending time in the word. I'm praying for the people next to me, and I'm loving the people who come to me, and, and I am become a blessing for the church. Colossians 1.10, he says this. Paul writes, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit and every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So my, my heart is to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. What have we been saying? I want to say the words that honor Christ. I want my speech to honor him day to day. I want my deeds to honor him day by day. That's the goal. That's the thing we should be setting our eyes on, to walk worthy of the Lord fully pleasing him now we fall short right but i told you what's our problem sin what do we do about sin we confess it you don't pretend it didn't happen you confess it lord forgive me and what does god promise to do forgive you the bible tells in proverbs a righteous man falls seven times but what's he do he rises again it's the pursuit of Christ, the pursuit, walking worthy of who he is. He says in verse 7, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, the name. That's a phrase they use. They would use that instead of using the name Jesus Christ. So they would, they would say he's gone out, Hashem in Hebrew, he's gone out in the name. And the Old Testament writers, Jewish people would write like this all the time. The idea of the, what's the name? The name's Yahweh. He's gone out in the name of Yahweh. He's someone who is trying to serve the Lord, and as such, we should be a part of or take a part of that ministry. If he's faithful, right? Don't be deceived. We don't do it for false teachers, but do we do it for true? Yeah, we should support them. We should be a part of what's going on. So he has gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Now, this is not about Jew and Gentiles. He's using Gentiles as a metaphor for unbelievers. We don't expect unbelievers to support the church. How should the church be supported? By believers. That's, that's how that works. Not, not by Gentiles, not by unbelievers. Therefore, we ought to support people like these that we may be fellow workers for the truth. It's not just about, it's not only about focusing inward. And I think focusing inward is important because there's things that we ought to be doing and helping one another with. But we also need to be looking outside for true workers of the gospel that we can support. That we can help. That we can be a part of the things they're doing. And so he's saying to Gaius, hey, good job. You're a good example of this. You're a good example of these things. You have done these things well. Now look at verse 9. Now he's going to turn his attention to Diotrephes. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So probably Gaius and Diotrephes and maybe even uh, Demetrius are part of the same network of home churches. Like in a lot of other third world countries, we don't experience this necessarily in the United States, but in a lot of other places, you can't just go build a church wherever you want. We have Kathy's going to be with the Dailies, with Alexis Daly, Brian Daly, her husband. He's a pastor in San Ramon, which is just outside of San Francisco, Oakland area. And you couldn't buy a piece of property there if your life depended on it. You can't do it. A small three-bedroom normal house, any of your normal three-bedroom houses that you may have, is over a million dollars in San Ramon. That was 10 years ago. I have no idea what it looks like now. So the reality is the church is mobile. The church is mobile. In some third-world countries, you can't do the same. In Russia, you can't just go out on a corner and say, hey, I'm going to build a church here. No. The Russians just look at you and say, no. Now, there are ways. They, they do accomplish. There are churches established in, 
in Russia. I've had the ability to visit them, but many of them are in homes. So this is probably a, a fellowship of home churches there that these guys were a part of. And so John has sent out this letter, but Diotrephes is like, John who? We're done with all those old guys. I'm running the show now. So John's like, yeah, he won't accept he won't accept our authority. Paul ran into some of the same things. So listen to the charges against Diotrephes. We're comparing him to Gaius. Gaius, thumbs up. You're doing good, Gaius. You're loving the guys. You're walking in truth. You're growing, right? What was, what was Diotrephes' problem? He wants to be first. Philippians chapter 2. When you guys want to understand what is it that, that my following Christ ought to look like, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, talk about what uh, we, we uh, use in theological terms as the kenosis, the emptying, that Jesus Christ made himself of no reputation. Just before we do that whole phrase, Paul says, so you're supposed to follow Christ. Jesus didn't come to exalt himself. He did not come to put himself up. He would have been born in a palace. He was born in a stable with the animals. He came to give us the example of how we are to walk, not exalting self, but in submission. He says, in lowliness of heart, let each of you esteem others first over you. Just so you know, that's hard to do because we are all selfish. Okay? Everybody raise your hand just in case you think you're not. You are selfish. No, I am not. Now I'm offended. I told you I was going to offend you at some point. Sorry. We are selfish. It's easy to think about self. It takes effort to think about others. And so here, Diotrephes, he, his first focus is on himself. How is this for me? How, does this, how is this working out for me? How do I hold on to what I have? He puts himself first. And second, he does not acknowledge authority. No authority over him. No apostolic authority, which has ceased, by the way. Apostolic authority ended when the last disciple and the apostles died. But that apostolic authority is contained within Scripture. The word of God is apostolic authority. That's God's word to us. That's the final arbiter on all things. We, the final arbiter is what is it that the word of God is teaching us? How shall we walk? What shall we, what shall we do? Now, John says in verse 10, so if I come, I will bring up what he's doing and, and, and talking wicked nonsense against us. So there's three charges, right? First, he says, he puts himself first. Second, he won't accept authority over himself. And third, he slanders. That always happens. We lose our focus. If I lose my desire to walk in honesty, open before the Lord, submitting myself to him, and considering others first. If I'm walking in bitterness, I think about myself. I don't want to have anybody have authority over me. And I will slander. You guys know what slander is, right? That's gossip with malice. The desire to destroy someone by the things you say. That's, that's what will flow out. The warning is we can't let those things in. We can't let that be a part. How can we recognize it? You want to be first. You don't want to have authority over you. And you're, you're, you find yourself in a place where slander has become easy. Don't do that. Don't be, be a Gaius, right? Be a Gaius. Don't be a Diotrephes. Diotrephes, he says, I'm going to, I'm going to come and I'll confront him, um, in the, in the wicked talk that he uses against us, and not content with that, he refuses to accept the brethren. So when people come from other places passing through under the authority of John, maybe they're under the authority of Paul or Peter earlier, and as they're passing through and looking for support as they go out to do the work of sending the gospel, he wouldn't help them. He wouldn't help them. 
Now, the atrophies didn't start like that. I don't think so. The atrophies got hurt. He got bit. He got stung, whatever, whatever metaphor you want to use. And he allowed a callus to grow around his heart, and that's how it was expressed. And so John says, if I go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk with him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with him. And, and we need to understand the point of, and we'll see in a moment, theotrophy is misusing church discipline. But the point of church discipline is to bring restoration, not punishment. It's restoration. It's bringing that right heart back in place where it needs to be. He says, so I will come not content with that. He refuses to welcome the brothers and he stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. So he's throwing people out of his church for trying to help other people. So John's like, yes, this is not good. This is not how this is supposed to be. Jesus himself wrote in Mark 10, Jesus called them and said to him, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercised authority, but it should not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first must be slave of all. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. That's the example, right? That's the one that we want to follow. We want to be able to echo the words of John the Baptist. When John the Baptist's disciples came and they said, Lord, more people are following Jesus than you. You remember what John the Baptist said? He must increase and I must decrease. May that always be our goal. That Christ increase, not me, but that Christ would increase, that he would, that he would be exalted. So we see the example, the atrophies, the example of Gaius. Here's the last one, Demetrius. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God, and whoever does evil has not seen God. He's saying don't. Don't follow the example of the atrophies. Don't get off track. Imitate what is good. Have you ever had your own temper, anger, frustration cause you to make a better choice? Usually my anger, frustration, grief causes me to make a worse choice. I always make the situation worse. I always know what my wife needs to hear and I never want to say it. I always want to say what's going to irritate her instead because I'm irritated. And if I do say what irritates her instead, did I make it better? Huh. Crazy how that works. Because the wrath of man will never accomplish the righteousness of God. So rather than acting out in our frustration and our anger, We need to follow, imitate what is good. Eyes on Christ, follow him. Galatians 6, 9, he says, Let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season you will reap. It doesn't say today. In due season you will reap if you do not give up. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews tells us to consider how we might stir up love and good works for one another. This is the desire. Follow, imitate what is good. Demetrius, verse 12, <coughs> has received a good testimony from everyone. Demetrius is a guy delivering the letter to Gaius. So he's talking about Demetrius. He's got a, a good testimony and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony and you know our testimony is true. Hey, Demetrius, a good brother. We're sending him to you. Gaius, we know Gaius, you're going to take care of him. We'll have to try to deal with the atrophies when we're able to come face to face and deal with what's going on there. But man, imitate what's good. Don't imitate what's evil. Don't let the evil of this world pull you down to be just like them. Don't allow hate to infect your heart. Don't allow that all those negative emotions that we so often have to battle with. Don't allow those things 
to make us into something that does not honor Christ. We want to honor Christ with our actions. Verse 13, I had much to write to you, and you guys are all thankful now because we're almost done. But I would rather not write with pen and ink. I want to see you face to face. I want to talk to you. This was John's heart. And then he gives him his farewell. Peace be with you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. Bringing that encouragement and exhortation. May we hear the words God is speaking to his church these days. And may we respond in ways that will honor him. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for the opportunity that we have to be gathered together. We thank you that we can still do this. We can come together, even though we know that there are many folks that are battling with COVID, uh, illnesses, a variety of illnesses, and so forth. Lord, we are able to come together to honor you as we as we worship, as we pray, as we study, God, I just pray that we would have a heart that is open, submitted, committed to you. That we are men and women who say, I will obey God first. My feelings, they are a mess. So I'm going to trust you, God. And I'm going to pray for those who despitefully use me. I'm going to bless those who persecute me. And I'm going to pray for the brethren. No matter where they are. God, may we have a heart that not only prays for the person in the chair next to us, but the church down the street who are trying to accomplish the same thing as us, bring the gospel to the world. May we pray for the churches down the block and around the corner, the churches who are struggling, the churches who are being blessed. May we begin to act like the body of Christ and care for one another. May we beware deceivers and walk in love. And may we promote the truth of Jesus Christ as we do so. May you be glorified and magnified in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.